Hi, Doug. Hi, Karen. So, hey. We're back. Um, what can we say? Uh, we're on uh, season five, episode four, Hunka four. Hunka Burning Love. And we sure are. And Doug and I continue to live in opposite land because I once again did not take notes, yet he did. I know. We are really peeling back the curtain for you guys. It's like Wizard of Oz all over again. But it's true. Um, I am taking notes on my phone as I rewatch the episodes. Um, so I can guide us. I can guide us through. So part of the reason why I stopped taking notes, um, particularly this season, is because I am just flat out enjoying it. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. I am so happy with this season. It is just joy. I mean, I guffawed through this episode. It was marvelous. Good, because I feel like they're doing something very deliberate now, which and which I've been liking and my beloved has been liking. And so I was like, mm, uh, now that we're a few episodes in and it's really kind of starting to show its hand, does Karen like it too? Listeners, it turns out Karen likes it too. Karen is so happy. I mean, I mean, let's face it. After last season, the bar is not exactly high for them to reach, but I still feel like... I, I feel like if this had been the season that followed, like, the brilliance of season three, for example, like, how how awesome would that have been? Like, it would probably have never... Melrose Place would have never gone off the air if that was the case. It would still be running. Yeah, right? This was such a... It's such a good season. And I'm like... I'm pretty much, with the exception of a few storylines, like, pretty much into the storylines. You can probably guess which ones I'm like, eh, kick it to the curb. Um, but I'm, I'm pretty much into the storylines. I'm really digging it. And, you know, of course, I still feel like some storylines could move a little bit faster, which is shocking considering the clip that storylines move on Melrose Place. And this one seems to be kind of dragging a bit. But I have to say, like, I'm quibbling. Overall, these these episodes are finally bringing me great joy. Oh, I'm so glad. And the truth is, even when we do poke holes, a lot of the time that is quibbling because we are in it for the long haul and we are enjoying the ride. So no, last year was a long season. detour. Oh my God, last season back. I almost quit. I almost quit last season like a hundred times. I was like, I, I don't know. know if I can do this anymore. But if we tell our listeners that, Karen, <laughs> they'll be like, <laughs> why are these guys even doing this? <laughs> Because, because you have to slog through the mud to get the cheese. I have no idea what that means. Mmm, cheese. Cheese. <laughs> Maybe I'm hungry. <laughs> so I feel like we've slogged through the mud and, like, this is our cheese. Like, this is our reward. Like, what kind of cheese are we having? Is it brie? Is it cheddar? Is it gouda? I don't know. Well, so I mean, it's not gouda. gouda. is my favorite. Um... I only like smoked Gouda. I mean, I yeah, I like cheese, so I like Gouda in all forms, but smoked Gouda is, like, the best thing ever. Mm -hmm. See, yeah, see, like, if I'm going to have a Gouda, it needs to be smoked. Yeah, Gouda, smoked Gouda is Gouda to you. It is Gouda to you, too. <laughs> all right, on that note, right. we should dive in. Yeah, let's talk about Okay, so since you have the notes, um, since you're the secretary of the season, what? Uh, where should we begin? Uh, so let's start at the beginning, because it picks up right where we left off last week. Which, uh... Which was, so Billy was in Jake and Allison's apartment, or 
Ooh, Allison's right, right. new apartment. And that's when he had his suspicions confirmed that Jake and Allison are seeing each other behind his back, behind everyone's back, um, mostly his. And so he punched Jake a few times, and Jake punched him once, and that brought him to his knees, and he stormed out. Right. So now he has stormed back two blocks, however many feet, to Melrose Place. Um, and he's like, the key isn't working, because apparently it's been a long-standing thing that it jammed. Who knew? Um, Who knew? Never experienced that, apparently since season one. Yeah, since from the beginning. Yeah. Um, and so he's like kicking the door in when Sam comes back in and starts talking to him. But I have two questions here. One is... Where is Sam coming from? Because isn't it late and hasn't she already been here for the party that just happened that night? Secondly, was getting, it, wasn't a party just still happening an hour prior? Because that's when Allison wrote the note saying, meet me in an hour at my place. So that means the party has ended. Everyone has left and cleaned up in an hour and 15 minutes time. These are young professionals. They've got to go to work the next day. Of course they sure. can't stay they, out They late. have to get up early because yeah. traffic, yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so anyway, Sam is now alone in the courtyard with Billy, who is angry and pouty. Um, and she's like, wow, you're rude. Goodbye. Yeah, and this is their first interaction, correct? Like, this is their well, first... Well, they technically met earlier that evening at the party. And they were Sam actually had, introduced. I don't know. They remember. were introduced. They were introduced. Okay. Because she was starting to talk to him and he just kept staring over at Allison. And right. she was like, oh, this guy was cute, but fuck him. Which is right. kind of like the story of Billy's life. Right. Or it right. should and he's, and he's like rude to, rude to her um, in, at this moment out, you know, while he's banging down his door there. Yeah. Yeah. That was kind of oh, it, right? So that's... That's pretty much it. Right. Then, I think after the after the credits, I think we go to Kimberly and Michael at the beach house. I mean, we can go through it story by story. Maybe we go story by story because I feel like Sid happened first before Kimberly. Maybe. Oh no, maybe not. Maybe not. I don't know. Okay, we'll do. I'll do whatever way you want to do it because you're the man with the notes. Okay, so I think the next thing we see is Jake and Allison at Shooters, um, and he's. I guess he went home after Billy pouted and left, uh, and said he and says he needed time to think about things because other people are involved, um, and. I think Allison says something about, you know, we were bending over backwards to talk, you know, to protect Billy. And Alyssa was like, well, that pretty much sums up the show. Um, but, but then it starts a new fight between Jake and Allison. Um, and she tells Jake to go to hell, which not great, but also Jake is your boss. Yeah, like, but, but Jake don't can't. Jake can't play the boss card now that he slept with her. Like, he can't. he can't. I mean, he can't play the boss card, but don't talk to your boss like that, either. Well, yeah, but she's not talking to him as the boss. She's talking to them to him as the guy that she is potentially falling for, who is now trying to basically break up with her because they're afraid of hurting... He's afraid of hurting Jane's feelings, which... Allison is also interpreting as he still has feelings for Jane. And let's face it, I was. Correct. 
He is. I still say tread lightly here. But also, I mean, I'm rooting for Jake and Allison, and I hate Billy, and I'm hating Jane, so there's that. I know. Um, and then I think Billy comes... Well, no, Allison goes to Billy's, because now she's Allison, all fired Allison, up. Allison does. Oh, that's when they have the, 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 the conversation about the key. She goes to Billy's. And right. she really says, look, we were trying to protect you. And then she's dumb enough at that point to say she wants their blessing. His, they want his blessing. That um, was dumb. That was, that was dumb. That was dumb. Why, why would uh, they even you ask weren't gonna that? Get it. Yeah, and, and, and she owes him nothing. This is, okay, this is that, where... Well, that's the big thing. That, and it will come up again with Jane. They don't yeah. owe them anything. This, and this is where this show... And they don't have a claim crazy. on either of them. Yeah, this is where this show kind of makes me crazy because at this point, Allison owes Billy absolutely nothing. He's the one that had the the thing with Brooke. He's the one that married Brooke. Like, like, like he did this all himself, and now all of a sudden I can't he decided stop counting the ways he has screwed Allison over. Right, and so and so for her to go to him, like yeah. I can understand her going to him and being like, "Look, I don't want this to be awkward. I don't want this to be uncomfortable. I know you were friends with Jake. I don't want to ruin that friendship." But let's face it. Their friendship boat that sailed, that sailed a while ago, you know, yeah, and they can sort of be acquaintances, but I don't feel like that friendship is sal- salvageable if, if either of them even wanted it. Well, it was never friendship. deep enough to be worth saving in the first place, right? Just logistical, primarily. But yeah, once you pass that point, I mean, like, who cares? You haven't broken a girl code or a guy code, you just move on. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So that was kind of infuriating. And basically, Billy is, like, kind of, like, holding Jane over her, isn't it? Over her, kind of, at this point, isn't he? Like, he's kind of like, oh, I hope, I bet you don't want Jane to find out or something. Like, some shit like that. Like, I felt like there was a little bit of a well, Jane thing. he does that say that. Cool. And Allison is like, I would appreciate it if you don't say anything to her. We want to be the ones to tell her, which telegraphing things to come but also he calls her a slut oh that's right he does call her a slut which again he's just such a bitch and always gets away with everything and does not ever have to clean up any of the messes he has made i often bristle when people abuse the term toxic masculinity but billy is it he is you're absolutely right he is he's total like toxic dude he is exactly the one you do have to worry about because he is full of macro aggressions that that he does not believe are wrong right because all of a sudden like he can't he can't have what he wants which is he's not getting what he wants and he's he's gonna lash out in every way he he can so all of a sudden he lashes out and he's like well if you won't get back together with me you just must be a slut and it's like you just want to punch him like like i was like jake come back punch billy Come yes. back and punch Billy. I was never upset all over Jake Billy. Yeah. 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 Let's do this all over again. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, okay, so here's the question. Obviously, 1990, whatever year we're in, right? What, what year are we in here? Six. 96. I mean, obviously, toxic masculinity was a thing, but it wasn't a it just thing. It didn't have a name. About. It didn't have a name, right? And so... And so, um, you know, us women back then were putting up with a lot, a lot. I mean, we still put up with a lot of shit, but we were putting oh, up with yeah, a lot of shit. Oh, yeah, it's still going on, yeah. Yeah, it's still going on. It's just, like, a little bit more insidious, I suppose. Um, so, so this is kind of, 
like 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 they're like culturally this is kind of like the norm behavior yeah. am i right and so yeah and so even here like we're not even making billy the victim he's or billy the bad guy he is almost more the victim at this point yeah. I, I, am i am i or or do you think the writers were trying to say something more no they're not trying to get any deeper here but they are I, I don't know if I would say it as, as far as making Billy a victim, but he is definitely not the villain. He is definitely not the bad guy here. He is just someone reacting right. to how things have changed. So they're basically sort of like treating this as he's lashing out because he's in a place of pain, where the reality is he's lashing out because he's a dick. Right, and, and, far, and far be it from them to acknowledge that these are all consequences of his own poor decisions. Right. Absolutely. I mean, you know, you reap what you sow. Yeah, but he doesn't. But he doesn't. No, there is no reaping. There is no sowing. So before he can sow a little bit more, um, Allison storms out. And again, Sam is coming into the building. Um, and, <laughs> and poor said, Sam. Well, I feel like she's abused. Yeah, but... Like I said, not my fave, so... I don't understand. I like her. I mean, she's a little... Oh, no. No. Okay. Well, she's... It's, it's like, cute and kind of quirky in a homespun sort of way right now. But let's talk again 20 episodes from now. Okay. Um, but, but she says something to Allison, like, oh, you must have taken the same root pill Billy took last night or something. Yeah, it was, I, I actually like, kind I, of was, like, nice. But she kind of said it under her breath, like she was almost afraid to yeah. say it out loud. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, and I think the next thing we see is Jane is inviting Jake to her grand opening. We didn't know about this happening in advance. When we talk about Sid doing some other things, the grand opening comes up. That's the first time it's introduced earlier this episode. But Jane invites Jake, and he says he'll come as a friend. Right. Um, and Billy shows up to Shooters right after that and says something else about Allison sleeping with Jake. It's super misogynist. Um, and then Jane visits Allison in the new apartment to apologize and also invite her to the grand opening. And again, she you know, goes on about... Sorry, I pushed you away. I was going through a lot, blah, blah, blah. And before she leaves, she sees that one of Jake's shirts is lying there. <sighs> yeah. Although Allison's excuse for the shirt was pretty believable. Um, yet Jane did not seem to buy it. Yeah. She does come up with a reasonable excuse for why it was there. Um, I don't Jake know helped me move. Helped. He probably yeah. took it off and he left it here because you know when you move you get hot. You yeah. might not want to wear your shirt. And and so Jane is like, oh, let me take it. I can give it to him back at the apartment. And Allison doesn't do the thing they had been doing, which is every time someone raises, you know, suspicion, they like look like deer caught in headlights. She's like, yeah, okay, that's cool. Give it to him. Which is yeah, fine. that's a good idea. Yeah, shouldn't shouldn't raise any eyebrows. And yet somehow it still does. But this is the time where it raises eyebrows. Yes. <laughs> Jane leaves the apartment and kind of like pauses. And Josie Bissett does her version of deep in thought, which is stares to the left or whatever. Um, and that's, that's kind of all it is until the actual party, the opening for Jane's boutique called Creatively Jane's. Um, awkwardness all around. Mm -hmm. um, 
and there's even like, and so Billy is there, Jake is there, Allison is there. Obviously, Sam and Sid are both there too. Um, we'll talk a bit more about Sid again soon. But Sid has a nice scene with Jake and Allison that I love very quickly because mm -hmm. I love all three of them and we never get all three of them together. I don't know if Sid and Allison have had a whole conversation ever. Right. So just the fact that the three of them are in a scene, I was like, oh, someone is writing this for Doug in 1996. <laughs> uh, but the takeaway from that is Sid is even kind of onto Jake and Allison hanging out a lot together for the first time too. But don't worry, it doesn't take much longer for anyone to start worrying about why are Jake and Allison always together? Jane has a toast. She thanks people for coming out. And then, oh, Billy has also tried to make amends uh, with, Sam. with Sam. Yeah, and he basically asked her out on a date. He does. But I, I did skip over the fact that Billy has come to the boutique earlier to as a mea culpa ask Sam out on a date. Oh, right. We skipped over their date. So in between um, basically Billy and Allison talking and Jane and Allison talking, Billy has taken Sam to the same restaurant he was at at the season finale where Allison stood him up. That super nice to restaurant. To be with Jake. To be with Jake. To be clear, yes. Um, so Sam is here, and because they make her, uh, you know, be from, like, this small town on the eastern shore of Maryland, like, she's eating all this food like she's Julia Roberts and Pretty Woman. I mean, yeah, <laughs> like, she can't get over the menu. And yet she's having, like, like appetizers. Like, she's eating it, like, on a toothpick as though they were past hors d'oeuvres at a party. And I'm like, if this is that fancy a restaurant, it, it is for like night that. food. Yeah, yeah. But so she starts telling him, and therefore us, the audience, her life story, um, she talks about, you know, her mother and her father, uh, later in the season, they will introduce new information about her dad that will contradict what we learn here. Uh, but there's nothing the new way. there. Yeah. Um, she talks about literally close to home. She went to RISD. She was at the Rhode Island School of Design. As we have seen, she's actually a very good sketch artist. Um, and Billy is very distracted. And she thinks, oh my God, I'm talking too much. And Billy finally fesses up. This is where he also waited to, had wanted Allison to meet up with him. And he keeps thinking about her. And it's like, Sam, don't waste your time in this guy. He's a jerk. So, yeah. Okay. And so she basically is like, okay, date over. I guess we're not eating. And she's like shoving meatballs in her mouth as they're walking yeah. out. Yeah. yeah. Um, but again, mea culpa, part deux. Um, those are two different languages, but whatever. At the um, grand opening of Jane's, he offers to take her out again, and he has—he says he used his connections um, to get her tickets to see a Sting concert at the Hollywood Bowl. Um, which I'm like, what are your connections? Ticketmaster.com? Because that's how I would have gotten mine in 1996, but whatever. Well, he's an advertising guy. Yeah, I know. Has to rub it in our face. Um, so anyway, she says, sure. Jane gives her toast, and then Billy interrupts the moment to then publicly say that Jake and Allison are doing it. Yeah. Literally, so, he, uses the word, he says that they're sleeping together. Yeah. So Billy went, by the way, in this at, the, at this point, like, Billy went from being completely kind of sober Billy, asking Sam to go to the Sting concert with him, 
to all of a sudden being loaded Billy and and just saying that, you know, that, that Jake and and um, and Allison are sleeping together in front of this whole room full of people. I just wanted to point that out. He got drunk. No, really, you're, no, that's a good point. Yeah. Like he got drunk really, really fast. Yeah, he is. Um, as the I can't think of anything witty to say. He's the worst. He is the worst. And then, as you the know, French scholars of yore would say, he is the worst. He is the worst. He's the worst. He is the worst. And so basically, like, Sam just basically, like, chucks the ticket back at him. And she's like, are you an idiot or just plain cruel? Oh, yeah. not wrong. Not wrong. Um, can, can we go both? We can say both. Yeah. Two things can be true. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, like, Billy does this thing that he thinks is going to, like, turn people against Allison and Jake, but really everybody's now against Billy. And right. Well, I mean, yeah, everyone is sort of against Billy, but also not really. You know, Sid does tell Jake and Allison that they should just leave and they do. And, you know, Jane is now furious. Um, And like Billy looks like a D bag in that scene, but I don't think there's any real repercussions other than Sam is like, you're an asshole. And even that's okay. not going to last for long. Right. Um, so then, and I guess we have to think that this is our big story for the episode because we start in Allison's apart- new apartment and we end in Allison's new apartment. Jane comes by again to just yell at Allison one-on-one, or so she thinks. Um, you know, Allison tries to explain her side, that they weren't trying to hurt her, blah, it just happened, blah, blah, blah. And this when Jane, just like Billy was doing before, gets very territorial and borderline psychotic. And she's like, no, I love him. And you took him from me. It's like, he was mine, blah, blah, blah. Which Jane and Jake didn't even have scenes together for the last few episodes during her post-Richard ordeal. Um, <laughs> so then, so Jane leaves. And Jake comes out of the bathroom where it sounds like he didn't even know. It's not like he was hiding from Jane who was there. It's like he didn't even know that someone had showed up and quickly yelled at Allison. But Jane is right outside the apartment. Um, She hears Jake and now she sees it like in front of her eyes through the window. Um, And as she storms away, she like trips an electrical wire. Yeah, I Um, couldn't figure out what the hell happened here. But yeah, there had just been some sort of, you know, work being done on on the place anyway so all of a sudden there's an electrical fire happening right outside allison's new apartment jane does not know that she did this at first until she gets down to her car and then turns around and looks up the apartment and sees that like this apartment is engulfed in flames yeah and she's like mesmerized and so it's slow-mo and then fade out so we don't know what is jane going to do will she come back and save the day what kind of peril are Jake and Allison in? Is Allison really losing all of her belongings twice in the span of just one year? Um, will she go blind again? That is our we big don't cliffhanger. Know. Yeah. We don't so, know. You'll have so, to tune in next week. So, and this was this was the cliffy, right, for the whole episode, correct? That's where it ends. That's yeah. the big cliffy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was the big cliffy. Um, you know, I feel like they are hitting all the right notes and what they are supposed to do because... You know, while Jake and Allison are adults who can do what they want, they are sort of tripping wires of the show's history. So, all right, 
you have to deal with an angry Billy, and now you have to deal with an incensed Jane. But I do not like territorial Billy, and I do not like territorial Jane. So there's that. There is that. But I think that we do remember, I mean, remember back to all the way back to season one when Jake took Allison on his motorcycle? Of course. This is the third episode of the whole series. And they had that, like, moment, and it was like, you think, and then they never, like, went anywhere with that potential relationship yeah and i was always yeah i know and this is like the fruition and it's super exciting so that's making that's that's the payoff for dealing with like jane and billy being psychotic yeah i will say this the jane and billy stuff is not quite over lasts for at least a couple episodes more um and it's worth pushing past because i mean i just love the jake and allison thing interestingly though when that episode from season one took place, they were the show's true leads. Jake, you know, was yeah. the big hunk that brought us over, and Allison was, like, the biggest name in the cast and, um, like, the true heroine of the show. And now Jake and Allison are together, but they are also, like, the characters most on the fringe of the show. Yeah, yeah, because they did start out as the quote-unquote stars, and yet that just got shifted to... You know, as the show evolved or whatever you will call it yeah they they moved them all over yeah yeah and so i mean i guess that this i mean i feel like as the storylines have ebbed and flowed we've had seasons where we've had kind of different quote-unquote stars you know so like season two was really sid's season right um well three i would say three or three was it three i mean like i said like it's hard to keep track right um, but then like, but, but Amanda, it's been Amanda's season every season because she, she ended up coming on as like the big name, you know? And then one season it was Michael. you know, like, I feel like it's kind of ebb and flowed and it, and we never had that with the exception of Amanda, we've never had that sort of like that, those, the two characters that are almost like the matriarch and patriarch, you know? Correct. Okay. Um, so yeah, I've so that's deeper to say about that. <laughs> that's okay, but that's where we are. Um, and uh, let's just talk about Matt. I mean, you know, this is the this is the storyline that one of the storylines. Speaking of really characters me. on the fringe, yeah, yeah this storyline is really bugging me. I mean, how much shit can they dump on this guy? First of all, I mean, it's like we've had like you know bad relationships. And, you know, and now he's like drug, drug addicted. And, like, it just is sort of like, I don't know. I felt like it, it almost feels like all these sort of like, not, like gay male 90s cliches. They're just tossing right at him. Well, yeah, we have two things going on, I think. And, and one is that because Matt is a gay character, they are tossing these cliched storylines, which are like, they haven't actually become the tropes yet. This is part of how they entered the lexicon as, as the trope, because we just didn't have that many yet. But secondly, because Matt is a gay character and therefore unable to get involved with any of our other straight characters, they have to give him other storylines. And I think I said it before, I wish they had just, it's an example of give him no storyline rather than a bad storyline. Because I'd have rather just seen Matt in one or two scenes talking to people at the apartment complex than what we have going on with his growing drug addiction. Right, right. 
right. I mean, I kind of feel like when he was, oh God, when he was at the hospital um, doing the social work stuff, right? And he covered up Michael's DUI. And that launched us into a whole storyline between the two of them. Like that, I felt like that's when Matt's character worked the best. Because he had that, you know, he had. Yeah, Matt's being at the hospital was also, you know, how he got embroiled in the whole Kimberly thing. Right, 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 Which right. Which great. Right. Or when Matt went and tried to save Sid because he thought exactly. Michael was going to kill. Yeah. Like, like there are all these sort of like, you know, th- these Matt moments that worked really, really well where they integrated him within the other storylines that were going on. But they always kind of, I don't know, they, it, it also kind of relegated him to being a side player rather than part of the true ensemble. So I, I don't know. I feel like maybe that's where the struggle is with the writers. I don't know. And part of it could be he has certain contractual demands that, that are like, I need this many storylines or I won't do X, Y, Z. I don't know. It, it, was, it was prior, I believe, to when they could have renegotiated, but I don't know. Maybe he just pouted and said, give me a storyline, something like that. I don't know. Well, I mean, um, I don't blame him because, like, they're definitely not using this character to the fullest potential. You know what I mean? Like, they, they yeah. like, there's so much more they could be doing. And hell, like, why don't they just bring up, like, they drag on all these other characters. Like, why, why didn't they just drag on, like, another gay character for him to have a relationship with? Yeah. And there will be more of those. Um, but for now, I just think this is a, a jerk-off storyline. Yeah. I guess we should say what happens. Yeah. I mean, basically, I mean, what's kind of more to say? Like, he's still doing drugs, even though, I mean, uh, even though even though he claims to be drug-free, he's got some confrontations with Michael. Um, but I guess, like, you know, but now midterms or finals are over, so he's telling Michael, I'm no longer using, I'm no longer using. But... And Michael is is kind of threatening him because Matt is also like not only could Matt get kicked out of the med school program, but like Michael's name was on that prescription pad that he stole. Yeah. And so there's sort of like this back and forth tension again between Matt and Michael. Um, but then Matt goes to dinner with his drug dealer, who you know is also another resident or intern. Yeah, it's a bunch of students or yeah. interns or whatever they are. Yeah, and so Matt's all like, "Okay, I'm going home now." And the the rest he of is try, for the off. record he's trying to be good. Yeah, like he's like okay I've got and and he he does the while well, these other guys want to go to clubs, and this dude is like dangling oh I've got a friend I want you to meet you know and it just and this was the thing that really bugged me about this like the the drug dealer guy was like oh but I have a friend that I wanted you to meet at the club like I think you're going to be really into him and all of a sudden Matt's eyes open he's like really and yeah. it's like oh come on come on and so basically like matt's like but i'm so tired and the guy's like here take this it'll perk you right up and so matt pops a pill um gets in his car and is all of a sudden driving under the influence nearly runs a grandma off the road and he's like clutching his chest and breathing heavy and he thinks he's gonna die and so he pulls over and he calls 911 and apparently, like, the next day, I don't know if he's in the ER, ER or whatever, and Michael comes in and he's like, are you out of your mind? Like, you called, you called the, you called 911 and told them you were having a heart attack, but, the, you know, they found PCP in your system. Yeah, it was PCP. Yeah. 
So I guess, and that's kind of where they left it with him, right? No, no. So Michael yells at Matt, and Matt yells right back. In fact, they give him, Matt, like, threatens Michael yet again. And right. there's some very, like, campy thing where, where Matt, and it may be Doug Stavant's worst line reading of the series, he goes, oh, honey, cut the drama, or something like oh, that. Oh, right, 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 the oh, honey line, yeah. Yeah, but even more than that, the, the final scene, Matt is alone at a bar, um, it's oh, right. oh, Southern God, Nights. I, I forgot that. And, yes. and I got, I mean, like, and you, you see this coming from a mile away, but this guy sidles up to him, um, you know, and says he has a lot of energy. And, you know, again, Matt first tries to say no, but the guy propositions him, and Matt eventually says yes to go home with him, and they get in Matt's truck. Um, and, in, and in the car, Matt takes out his cash and gives it to the guy who is an undercover cop and now arrests Matt for soliciting a prostitute. So Matt is on high, probably still has residual PCP in his system and is now arrested for soliciting a prostitute. So things are going really great for one doctor to be fielding. Well, you know, and this is the other thing that really bugged me. Okay. Like Matt, this the whole drug thing, like, okay, we've been talking about how out of character this whole storyline is for Matt now we're throwing an escort in there. Like, Matt is, like, going to be picked up by a prostitute in a bar, and he's actually going to, like, he's actually going to be like, okay, yeah, I'll pay you. I'll, I'll pay you to have that. Like, like, no, that's not, like, what, Ma- that's, that's not, not this right. character. That's, right. that's not this character. Now, it could have been done differently in a different storyline if Matt was somehow more trusting or in over his head you know like if kimberly had wanted to set matt up somehow back when she was really trying to get him in season three i could have bought it a bit more then but but now they're really just trying to like darken matt so much that they're throwing all sorts of seedy and nefarious are not the right terms but really like just stupid untoward decisions well, and, there, and it's because there are so many in yeah. such quick succession, it's all out of character. And the thing is, like, they didn't need the escort, right? No, Matt's like, life is already in disarray. Yeah, like, they didn't need the escort. They could have nailed him on the PCP thing. Yeah. Like, they could have nailed him for a DUI. They could have, they could have nailed him any, like, the cops could have, they, he could have been in peril any way over the course of the past couple of episodes, we didn't need the escort thrown in there. And I think that was the thing that really sort of frustrated me about this, where I said, like, in particular, about the sort of the gay cliches. Like, they just, like, yanked this one right out of there. Like, and and it was, and I thought, and it was a terrible, terrible cliche, too. And, um, and I, and it was, and it was kind of, like, it was insulting. Like, I was like, oh, this is gross. Like, it is gross. gross. That's the perfect you know, word. It's gross. You know, because I could almost believe the drug thing because, like, we get it. Like, he's under a lot of pressure. He's got these exams. He was sick. He fell behind. Like, he needs something to perk himself up. And, like, you know, he even had kind of a good scene. It was, like, actually a really good scene. And we kind of glossed over it with Michael 
where like Michael confronts him and Michael's like, look, I get it. I was in the same position you were. I was a medical student too. I took upper. Yeah, he took speed. Yeah. You know, I took speed to get through my exams and then I took other pills to bring myself down. Like, and this, this road is not the road you want to be on. This road leads to bad things. And like, that was actually a really lovely moment between the two of them. And so, you know, that is almost believable, even though it is so out of Matt's character, but because he is under this different pressure, like you kind of go, oh, okay, well, maybe this is, maybe, maybe this is happening to him. Maybe this is like, he is crumbling under this pressure, but then to throw the escort in there too, like, no, that's completely out of character. We already had a drug abuse storyline that they could have just mined um, and, yeah. and put him into like, you know, trouble with the law. Um, with that, instead of instead of arresting him for you know soliciting a prostitute, essentially. Yeah. Here, here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you know, boo on you, Melrose. That 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 bugged me out of this whole this whole episode. That really kind of got on my stuck in my craw. As it's were. Is that right? Is that right? Is that yeah. is, is that right? Okay. <laughs> There's other nonsense going on in Michael's life, though. Yes. And it's called Kimberly. Yes. So if we go back to the beginning, uh, we find out, and this is funny, Kimberly <laughs> is being reviewed by the medical board. <laughs> no big surprise there. Now, not when she donned a wig and framed someone for murder. Not when she blew up a apartment complex and was responsible for one person's death. Um, no, only now. Is Kimberly uh, under review, and um, she and is do you want to know? And do you want to know why she's under review? Because Priscilla Presley told on her. Yes, they said a nurse at that Willow Bridge Willowbrook Institute, which has to be Priscilla Presley, Nurse Betsy or whatever her name was, um, yeah. has has lodged a complaint. We don't see Priscilla Presley again, but, but no. that's who they're referring to. Yeah. So um, yeah. So um, we now see her with the, is it a lawyer for the hospital? Some representative, not a chief of any kind, um, tells her they're going to take her license away for 90 days. And then Kimberly goes, <laughs> no, you should rescind it permanently. I surrender it. I'm surrendering my license. Yeah. And Michael's like, what are you doing? She blindsided him. Yeah, but all of us, truly. All of us, yes, yes. So Dr. Kimberly Shaw is no longer a doctor. And I was sort of sitting there going, well, what's she going to do now? She could be a radio shrink because you don't really need to be a doctor to be a radio shrink. Yes. As Dr. Phil is proving, you don't need yes. to be a doctor to be a TV shrink. That's so right. that's kind of where I, my head was going. Did not see her next career move coming, frankly. No one did, especially not Michael, who is getting ready for work one morning, comes out of the bathroom expecting Kimberly to be lounging around, and she too is dressed for work. But no, she is not delusional. She is not going back to the hospital where she can no longer practice medicine. Okay, actually, I guess we have to step back. We need to step back, yes. We have to step back. Okay, let's go to Amanda and Peter. Okay. Um, Peter is, uh, in Amanda's bedroom at their, at her apartment in Melrose Place and saying that he has to go back to work and save Burns Mancini and says that she should move into his house. And 
she goes, well, we need to have a conversation about this. They go to Peter's house. She meets him in front of the house, I guess, after their work days um, and says that they need to have a talk. And he's going to carry her over the threshold because it's the first time they're entering a true home as a married couple. They open the door and all of a sudden this random family comes running out. They come piling out of Peter's house. <laughs> followed by a real estate agent who says, oh, no, you're Peter Burns. This is no longer your house. It was sold while you were incarcerated. Yes. Um, Sid, as his office manager, did this. So apparently, as Sid says um, to him when he confronts her about this, what did she call him? Mr. Tax Evader um, was running his the expenses for his house, his mortgage and I guess upkeep, whatever, through the business. And that gave Sid as a partner access to it when the company, when, you know, Michael was missing, chasing down Kimberly, and Peter was in Willowbrook, and all of that was going on. Their business was basically going bankrupt, and so to save the business, Sid did what she had to do, and she sold his house. Good on you, Sid. Yeah, actually, I'm fine with this. Good on you. I mean, honestly, you honestly, know, this can't happen, but okay. Yeah, but you know what was great about this? I I felt like. They actually, the writers actually really tried. Instead of them just, do you know what I mean? Like, instead of them just being like, well, Peter's out of jail, Peter and Amanda are married, and we want to keep them at Melrose Place, so they're just going to, like, automatically live there. And the question would have been, why are these two professionals who are probably pulling in some decent bank are are living in... You know, as, as what did how did what did Peter call it? It was sort of like really offensive, like like you know about the apartment. Um, he says I'm like, well, I'm not gonna live in an eight eight hundred square feet. Like it was like almost like hovel. Like he was kind of like insulting um, the apartments that 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 Melrose Place wasn't like nice enough for him. You know, um, and so but but, yeah. but that would have been the question, right, on viewers' minds. Like well, Peter's got a really nice house. Like why wouldn't they go live there? Even though she owns the building, she doesn't have to live there. She can just own the building. Um, and so to keep them on Melrose Place. I thought it was really clever. They devised this this whole storyline rather than just plopping them on Melrose Place and ignoring the fact that he had a house. Yeah, no, and they, ignoring the fact I that gave it, does, you a it doesn't make sense. explanation, but it is a thought through explanation. Yes, and act and I thought it was actually a really fun explanation because then we get. We get Sid doing her thing. Sid. We get Sid. And it is such a Sid thing to do. Like, oh, we need money. Like, okay, I'll just sell this guy's. I'll sell my boss's house. Fuck him. You know, so so that I kind of felt was like perfect. Yeah. Um, but but there are repercussions because Peter fires Sid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Sid gets fired, which was like the so, other thing, too. Like, it was also like great to set this up that Sid gets fired. So Sid gets fired. Um. Now we go back to Michael and Kimberly. Kimberly, no license, getting ready to go to work. What work, Michael asks, as do you and I. Um, Kimberly has off screen found out that Sid has been fired and taken upon herself to replace Sid. So she will now be the receptionist for Peter and Michael at their practice. Only great things can come from this. Which is phenomenal. So Michael doesn't look very happy about this by the way. 
No, he he looks surprised and a little ill. Yes, yes. Um, so... Oh, we should say, so, so Peter fires Sid and she threatens, she goes, well, remember the whole blackmail? And this <laughs> harass, she's like, you know, the sexual harassment suit. He's like, Sid, I was in prison for murder. I don't care about sexual harassment suits. <laughs> they really did think it through. Yeah, yeah. So this was one storyline where it was like, hats off. And we also had some really fun Sid moments. We do. And another one is um, in between what we've just described and that last episode, that last uh, segment of the episode where they have the grand opening, Sid comes to Jane's and says that she would love to work at Jane's as partners because she's been fired. So there we go. She has invited herself in and it actually does sort of help Jane a little bit. Um, And and then Sid tells Sam, and we're going to have to change your hours a bit for me. Yeah. Which was also perfect. So it was good, too, because I, you know, again, like having those when when Sid and Jane got together to battle Richard, um, you know, those were there were some really great moments between the sisters. And it was yeah. actually really nice to have the two of them yeah. back together again and as allies, because as much as the two of them fighting was always sort of like fun and interesting, mostly because Laura Layton is phenomenal. Um, you know, I always actually liked their allyship because something between the two of them, even as much as I know you don't like Josie Bissett, but when they had an allyship going, I felt like that's when Josie Bissett's character worked the best. And then I also, like, I felt like they played played off of each other really, really well. Yeah, I should say, I don't dislike Josie Bissett the way I dislike perhaps Brooke Langton. Um, I think she's more limited than, than Sid, than Laura Layton as well mm-hmm. um, and some of the other performers on the show as well but she's comfortable as Jane and when Jane and Sid get to explore you know their their history and chemistry as siblings whether it's the rivalry or the camaraderie they are very good together yeah yeah um, and I think that's it for for Sid and Jane right yeah I think so yeah you know, again, it was nice to see, even when she was kicking Jake and Allison out, that Sid was being supportive of Jane. Right. Um, but meanwhile, right before Sid leaves, because she is fired, she, when Peter comes back to the practice, Sid tells him that there is someone, a patient, waiting in his office. And that, listeners, is Taylor McBride. So we have talked in the past at how... Taylor has some connection to Peter. We don't know what it is. She recognizes him when he comes to Melrose Place. Doesn't seem to recognize her. So we're testing this a little bit. Peter is in his office. He meets Taylor McBride. The name itself doesn't seem to ring a bell. She asks if, uh, doesn't she say if he recognizes her? And it's kind of a tease for us as the audience. And he goes, no, I don't. And she goes, and she says, oh well, we met at the apartment. Right. I believe that happens. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. I think that might have might have happened. Yeah. Um, he doesn't recognize her. She mentions that she has a heart murmur, which is why she's there. Uh, also mentions that she's from Missouri. Just like she's. Yeah, I felt like she was leaving these little breadcrumbs for him, and like, and that that he was supposed to pick something up from all he's of this, not, and he never did. Yeah. yeah. So, here's so what that's the first encounter. Yeah, here's what I was wondering. I'll throw this out there. Is she the dead wife? 
I'm not going to say. <gasps> she is. I'm not going to say. And that's she all I'm going to say. is. Oh, I want to know how they're going to pull this off. We'll have to keep watching. Oh, my God. But, again, this, I'm not this, saying this, anything. This is... The, it, okay. So, if I'm right... This would be sort of, like, the perfect, like, it's the sort of perfect soap opera, like, moment, right? Where you have the, you know, I, you've, I've gone away and I've had facial reconstructive surgery so right. you can't yeah, even yeah, recognize yeah. me. And you thought I was dead and I went off to live this other life. And, like, you know, why did she do it? And, like, why did she disappear? And why is she back now? And, like, crazy and I was like, yeah, that is so, definitely a soap trope. Yeah. So while I was like watching this kind of go down, that's immediately what I thought. I was like, oh my God, that's going to be his wife. And she just had like, she disappeared and had facial reconstructive surgery because I don't know why mafia, like he seemed to be a great husband. Like what the hell was going on? And she like miraculously survived her cancer too. Like, was it like Richard and they buried her and she wasn't really dead and she dug herself back up? And Like, how did this happen? You will have to watch to see how it plays out, if your hypothesis is correct. And I think um, it's because you got really quiet. But, uh, but again, what you're suggesting has also already sort of been done on the show with Kimberly. She didn't have to get the reconstructive surgery or anything, but she was presumed dead and then brought back. Yeah, so why, they would do it again. Yeah, I mean, they, they did it once. Yeah, they're not trying to be yeah. creative. Yeah. So, so I don't know when there will be more answers. Might when be next week. It might be a couple. It might be a couple episodes down the road. I can't remember how much they dangle the carrot. Whenever you can bring somebody back from the dead on a soap, you do it. It's you do true. it. You do it. Yes. Yeah, so okay. So that was my card. But now we still need to deal with Taylor and Kyle. And Kyle. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if there's this. What's that? And Amanda, because she's still kind of playing this weird game with Amanda that I can't quite wrap my head around. Yeah, she is. And and I don't even know if she knows what her game is. But there's a scene where Taylor is crying and asks Kyle to go back to Boston. And he insists, you know, that she should forgive him, um, that it was one night when he had an affair. Um, it's like, I think he thinks she's testing him. And so he says that they should stay and commit to this new chapter in L.A. So I now, think I that, got it. I couldn't figure out her motivation on that scene because it sort of happened. I think that one happened right after she saw Peter and he she left the breadcrumbs and he didn't he didn't bite. Right. And so I was wondering, maybe she was like, does she want to leave L.A. now because he didn't recognize her? And she thought that he would sort of go, oh, my God, you're my wife. Yeah, well, assuming that I'm right. And so, and she, and that's why she was crying, or was she just sort of, I don't know, solidifying themselves in LA because she knew it would get under Kyle's skin? Like, I wasn't quite clear what the motivation was behind that scene. No, I don't know what the motivation was. I think she was genuinely hurt by Peter's lack of interest in recognition. And I think it was a real moment. And that was what Kyle ended up taking away from it. But I, could be wrong. At any rate, the next time we see Taylor, she's working Amanda again. So, so we're back to where we were. But she right. asks Amanda to to do the advertising for Kyle's restaurant, and Amanda's like, "I have major clients. I'm not going to do some dumb restaurant." And she's like, "Well, 
we're a chain, or, you know, we're a franchise because there's several of them. And Amanda gives in to her invitation to, to, to come and have lunch at the restaurant. Right. Um, it's during the lunch, you know, Kyle comes out, he greets her, he thanks her, he's very gracious. Um, and then he disappears to cook the lunch, which I think is pumpkin and yolati. Um, and then it's just Amanda and Taylor, and Taylor mentions that he was unfaithful. Um, and Amanda does say, if my, hus- if my husband were ever unfaithful, our marriage would be over. Yes. So they're obviously, I mean, they're really sort of like lowering the boom here. Like they're totally setting this up for something. They did. They are. And I think that's it. Yeah, I I think that, I think so too. I think that I feel like that was sort of like I mean, they, there was maybe like one other scene with Amanda where she kind of presses Peter and she says, "Well, there are only two things that w- would break us up, and that's." Um, you know, us being unfaithful, like you being unfaithful, and I think something else. I don't remember what the other thing was. And oh, she wants I don't to know, go on a... lying about your entire past would be one though for me. Yeah, and then she and she wants to go on a honeymoon, and he's like, no, no, no. And then all of a sudden he's like, um, like, okay, let's go, let's go on a honeymoon. Yeah. Oh, because you know why Taylor? Sh- while they're having that conversation, Taylor shows up at Amanda's apartment and she sees uh, Peter and she's like, hi, Peter. And Amanda's like, how do you know her? And Peter's like, oh, she's a new patient. And now, you know, Amanda's spidey sense has been tingling. So Amanda, yeah, this woman keeps popping up. Oh, right. And there is, uh, Taylor does sort of explain away again, like why she was in the courthouse. She said, I was just there and curious. And that was all. Yeah. Which was also like weird and kind of stalker-like, but whatever. Well, that is like definitive stalking. So yeah. Yeah. So, but what um, and that I do think is it. Yes, that I think I think we've done the episode. Yeah. So uh, again, not only have they given us a reason for Amanda and Peter to stay in the apartment, uh, they have also given Allison a reason to come back to the apartment. Yes. <laughs> Assuming she survives, she and Jake survive. Assuming they, they survive. Right. Right. Wow. She didn't leave the block for very long, did she? No. It was like, but, you know, we- moving is going to be real easy for her if all she has is, you know, the clothes on her back. Right. And didn't now she doesn't have an apartment, though, because Taylor. Oh, no. So her apartment hasn't been rented. Taylor moved into Joe's apartment. So right. her, theoretically, it's still open. Be. Yeah. Because I was wondering if this is going to be a situation where she has to move in with Jake because she's got no place to go. Right. Although I'm inclined to believe that's what happened. It's what I would do. I mean, like, why not, right? Yeah, the secret's out. Right. I mean, might as well. Although Jake seems really uneasy now all of a sudden to commit to her. Yeah. Although, also, if I were Jake, I would move. Also, if I were Jake, I would have moved three years ago. Well, yeah, but what's the fun in that? But but if these characters learn, there's no show. (laughs) I have to say something else. Apropos of nothing. Alyssa and I have been watching a lot of old movies during quarantine. Mm-hmm. And I have noticed that a couple of old-timey celebrities bear a very striking resemblance in just kind of their overall demeanor and their speaking cadences to several of our major players on the block. Okay. Doris Day has the exact same 
delivery and attitude of Heather Locklear. If you oh. watch Pillow Talk specifically, you I can love see Pillow it. Talk. I you love do? Pillow Talk. Oh my God, it's one of my favorite movies. I do too. I'm surprised to hear you say that. Also, Alyssa is not a fan. Well, okay. Well, why are you surprised? Um, I don't know how many like rom coms, like old school, are your thing. Oh my God, I love the old ones. Oh, that's yeah, what we've no, no, largely no. been devouring. I am a huge Doris Day fan. Um, I know. love Pillow Talk. It's like one of my favorite movies. If you put, um, oh my God, you put her and oh, what else is she? I mean, she did so many back then. Hold on, let me see. Well, all of those, like the That Touch of Mink and Sending yep. Flowers and Move Over Darling. And the, uh, that, yeah. Yep, yep. I mean, all of this stuff is sort of like truly extraordinary fun shit like okay so because she did a few with rock hudson mm-hmm. that uh, pillow talk was the the first yeah but she did a few with yeah um, i think those him. other ones that i mentioned yeah yeah like, and, flowers and yeah right right and put the two of them together and i can just watch i think forever. Great. yeah i can just, and pillow talk has the best cast you get tony randall thelma ritter nick like this is such a great cast like oh my god the cast, yeah. So Pillow Talk is one of my favorites. One of my absolute favorites. Which is the one where she was the wife, but she had amnesia. Which one was that? Um, is that Send Me No Flowers? It wasn't The Tunnel of Love, right? Mm, no, no, that was something else. No, no, no. What is the one where Rock Hudson thinks he's dying? I think, is that Move Over Darling? Mm, no, I don't know. Let me say. It either is or it isn't. It oh, is no. Right. Move Over Darling is the one where she comes back from the dead. Oh, that's the remake <laughs> that's of the one where I was, That's the one that I was thinking of. Okay, okay. so that was Move Over Darling. Oh, and James Garner was in that one. And Polly Bergen. Oh, my God. That was such a great movie, too. Oh, yeah, Polly Bergen is really good in that one. It's the other woman. And then yeah, oh, oh, Semi No Flowers is the one where he thinks he's gonna die. Yes, that's the one where he thinks he's gonna die. So, um, and again, uh, Rock Hudson, Doris Day, Tony Randall. Um, oh, God, now I want to see all these movies. Where are you oh, watching? Oh, they're great. What'd you say though? Where are you watching these? Are these streaming or do you have them on like DVD? They're mostly on TCM, but there is a TCM app. Um, I don't, some of them are probably on Amazon, but I don't know. Is the TCM app, is it free or do you have to pay for it? It's probably not free. I think I get it through the my cable. Yeah, you probably get it. If you have cable, you probably get it through cable. Ugh. But oh. yeah, we're DVRing and it's summer under the stars now. I know I'm digressing, but whatever. Okay. Um, okay, but here's so the we, other thing. Yes. Alyssa sees it very clearly and now so do I. Frank Sinatra bears an uncanny resemblance to Thomas Calabro. Oh, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I could see that. I could absolutely the, the, see that. That, like, the swagger. Don't the really care bravado. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I can definitely see that. And that makes me like Thomas Calabro even more. It's true, yeah. Wow. Super, super exciting. Um, I love that. Anything else? 
Who else can we? Anyone? Anyone else? Anyone else? It was really only two that I really uh, thought. Although we watched Cactus Flower, and Goldie Hawn in that I think is very reminiscent of a season four Sid. Oh, got that that like hippie pixie thing, but nobody's fool. But I wouldn't say typically Goldie Hawn evokes Laura Layton for me. Would um I'm trying to think would uh, would uh, would Grant show be our um what's his name oh my god what is wrong with me i'm tired i keep losing names uh not gene kelly jesus christ john wayne no john wayne what um (laughs) because i feel like he kind of sometimes gives this wooden delivery (laughs) yeah i can see that (laughs) yeah i'm 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 good with this one. Yeah. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I love you, Grant Show. I do. I swear. No, I think that that's a really great. I think that those are those are actually some really cool observations, and I absolutely agree with Thomas Glabro and um, and and Frank Sinatra. I think that that is a really good call out. Yep. No, she's got an eye. Yes, she does. Yes, she does. Um, so, hey, uh, we want to know, do you guys love this season like we love this season? Yeah. Do you Have you noticed a change from where we were in season four? And are you liking it? Do you like our new cast members? Have their additions added anything? Um, do you feel bad for Allison right now? I'm not asking do you feel bad for Jane, because don't. I'm not asking do you feel bad for Billy, because don't. But those are our questions. Yeah. Let us know on uh, Back on the Block Pod on Facebook. Yes, come visit, leave a note, and um, also please give us five stars. Yeah, go to go to where are we uh, iTunes and leave five stars and just like a couple little words. Just we love them. I love them. That's it. That's all. I, I love it. Three words. I love them. Or they are great. Or they are great. Or you could do, I love them, they are great. We could do that too. That's, yeah. that's acceptable. We would, we would accept it. We're, we would. We would. We, would. Um, we are going to go to Hollywood Boulevard. We are talking about a bunch of streaming shit because that's all you can do these days. Yeah. Stream shit. Um, yeah. Or, or read books, or read books. Um, and I forgot to mention, uh, we should talk about uh, a book that's coming out this week. Well, I mean, my, uh, my ears are all a tingle. I can't wait to find out. Okay, I'm leaving, I'm leaving this on a cliffy, so you guys have to go to Bread Breadcrumbs, don't pull mm-hmm. a Peter Burns, come mm-hmm. on and bite. Come on over. Follow us over there. All right, guys, we hope to see you down the boulevard. And until then, we will see you next week on the block. Bye. Bye.